Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLS Fantasy Boss, aka Dashdar, on Reddit. And this episode is brought to you by the fantastic community of r slash fantasy MLS on Reddit. And also the tears of the people who dropped Giovinco this week. Ouch. Sorry. Uh, with me, again, I have a great crew. Uh, back to 100% this time, we have Jason, a.k.a. Antioch. What's good, guys? We have Guy, a.k.a. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. And returning in his full, beautiful sound, Simon. Oh, you're so nice, Reed. I think I got my microphone figured out, although, I don't know. There's always the chance it breaks in the middle, and I have no idea what's going on. So, happy to be back, though. Excellent. We're happy to have you. Uh, well, so guys, we'll uh, just start talking about a little recap of, of round 19. What were your guys' general impressions, biggest letdowns, biggest surprises? Uh, and of course, how'd your team do? Yeah, yeah. I got 92 points, finally coming back to glory. Um, I uh, All green arrows, I went from pretty much, I think it was like 668 to 422, so I'm back in the top 500, which makes me happy. Um, the biggest letdown... Um, I would say probably Valeri and Finlay and Kamara, those three. I thought they would do a little bit better. Um, biggest surprise for me was honestly Ellis. Uh, I dropped Simon for Ellis. Uh, I think, uh, I forget who told me. I think Bit Nomad or someone told me that um, and did very well for me. And then apologies or bragging, I'm going to brag because, um, you know, Captain Morales. Thought it'd be a great decision. Giovinco and Villa killed it as well. But like I said, 92 points, average of 42. Pretty stoked on that performance. Yeah, I got um, let's see, 85 points. <clears throat> Excuse me. I did move up to uh, 13th place in the game. I only moved up a spot, so it wasn't good enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually complete. You know. It's not That's even good. fun at this point because I'm so just <laughs> tied over and not every kick. I'm just it's not even enjoyable. Let's put it that way. Um, I think the biggest letdown it had to be Valeri. It's ten point was it ten point one? He's just not not returning the, the investment. So um, I think the four four game was the biggest surprise, obviously. And oh yeah. Uh, God, that was a great game to watch live. It's just one of those times when you're just like, I am watching this live and I'm not recording it or watching that tape delay. It was perfect. And, uh, yeah, I, I can brag about being where I'm at. I, you know, I feel good about that. Yeah, I felt like I had a pretty good week, too. Uh, I finished with 83 points, so I guess not not quite as awesome as some people. But the big thing... I'm finally in triple digits for the first time this year. I'm still at like yeah, oh, yeah, up to 853rd overall. Congrats, congrats. So that's far worse than the last two years at this time, but I will take it. I will take it. Come back, kid. That's good. Well, I think I have uh, rounded out this bottom four tonight. I had 75 points. I was on a minus eight as well, mostly due to the, the fry situation that many of us face and just trying to – to drop some garbage for my team. Uh, my my biggest disappointment was just Columbus. I really had hoped that that they could take some of that form that they had found and make it carry with them on the road and, and take advantage of a little bit of, of Montreal's lack of form. I didn't 
think a, a win was impossible for Montreal, but I'd really hoped that there may have been a Finlay Kamara hookup for at least something going on there, which did not happen. Um, and the biggest surprise, I definitely agree with you, Guy, that 4-4 game, what was it, three goals in nine minutes? Is that what it was? It was, yep. It yep. was crazy. It was crazy surprising. And I, I think I have an apology and a brag going on here. Big apologies to anyone who captained Finlay this round because of what I was saying. I, I really thought some of the numbers lined up for him to do to do well, but that away form can come and bite you at any time. But at the same time, Chicago got a clean sheet against Seattle, and that was big points for Garrig. And I did say that he was one to take a look at for for maybe these next couple of rounds. So I will take some of that <clears throat> and I, stick it in a in my hat. I believe one of my picks last week was Garrig. Well, then you can brag as well. We're buddies, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good game. If you. If anybody, any one of your guys' friends aren't into soccer because they say soccer's boring, have them watch that game because that was one of the most entertaining soccer matches I've ever seen in my life. Well, excellent. So some quick housekeeping before we go on to our questions. The, the Disco Report has not been updated as of when we're broadcasting this episode. So check back to that because kickoff is Wednesday, this Wednesday. That is the 15th of July at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. So don't forget that. Don't forget to make your trades. Check the disciplinary and the injury reports to make sure that all of your people will be in the starting lineup. So unless you guys have anything you want to add for that, we'll just get right on to our questions. Let's do it. Let's do it. So we're going to start out. This question comes from Chris J.D. Grady, and he wants to know, would we dare to duty this week and i that's an interesting one that's that's quite the hashtag man uh i don't can take it a few different i ways. was yeah i was impressed just by that hashtag and i spent so much time on it that the question sort of passed me by uh i'm just kidding i, I did think about it and no i would not i guess i don't know i mean any player that's worth that little i guess might be worth taking a flyer on <laughs> but like I'm pretty doubtful that that guy is totally locked, and Chicago should probably get flattened by Columbus. So, truly would be daring to. Uh, I'd be impressed. Yeah, I mean, two different ways you could take that. Um, as either putting him in your lineup or captaining him. Um, he did play a full 90 against Seattle, which, okay, I don't know if, you know, I think it's Yallop is just giving him time or what, but um, I mean, if he starts, maybe throw him in your lineup if you you know don't have a better option or if you have like a Hollingshead or somebody else like that that you don't know is going to get much time. But other than that, I wouldn't I wouldn't even put him in my lineup. Yeah, I'm just going to say no on that one. Pass. I'll be a little more accommodating if if you are on a wild card and you're reworking your team. He's 4.0. Why not have him down there just on, as bench fodder? You're looking for 4.0 guys anyway when you're at that level. Uh, definitely not in the starting lineup. Don't don't get me wrong there. But maybe he could be a switcheroo for you. Or if you've got someone like Woodbury who you think's going to come up with a big goose egg, why not get a couple of points or one point from him? But yeah, if, if he's in your plans for a wild card, I'd say he's a totally valuable option for a bench warmer. But I... I don't know if he's really going to see minutes. 
So moving on, we have my own bobblehead who says Viafania was arrested last week and has a home game against Vancouver this week. Do we still believe in him? That's a nice little hashtag we tried to get going last week. Um, and Or do we believe in Portland in general, for that matter? Uh, and should we look at someone like Garrick instead for this double game week um, as a replacement? No, I, Viafania, uh, that was a surprise that they arrested him, but it was just rest. And when you look at the number of games he played consecutively, it was merited. Um, I wish they would have given us a little more warning that was on the cards. But uh, I believe in Viafania. Uh, he does get forward. Do I believe in all of Portland? Uh, I mean, last game they had, what, I think they rotated in five different starters just kind of for rest and, and uh, injury accommodation. So I would tentatively say I believe in Portland's stars, but... If you want to just stick with Viafania and just have that be it, that'd be probably the best way to go. Yeah, I think Guy summed it up pretty well there. Yeah, um, got nothing to add to that. He, he is the Portland expert. So exactly. uh, we'll just move on to Poignant Cashew, who says two games from Kamara or one game from Keane. What do you go with? That's a great question. Um, I'm personally going with both. Um, but if you have one or the other, I think right now, I think you roll the dice on Keen. I'm always an advocate of going with the double game week player, but, I mean, Kamara's been incredibly spotty this year with his points, but, um, I mean, Keen, especially with the addition of Stevie G, I think Keen's going to get more points, and I possibly think Keen is going to be one of the highest point scoring forwards this season with the addition of Gerard and possibly Gio. Yeah, I'm going to go, if, if you have to choose between the two, I would go Keen. Just because, you know, maybe Kamara gets, what, an extra assist or maybe an extra goal this week than Keen. But come next week, you're going to be much much more glad that you had Keen in your lineup than, than Kamara. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm definitely into both camp. Um, but future-wise, yeah, I'd much much rather have... Have uh, Keen than Kamara. So Mike that Tiger follows up this question with the little rounded pyramid that we're looking for here with our, our triad of top forwards and says, if you had to pick between Keen and Via for this week, which would you take? Yo, so this is a question that I love because it's one that I've been thinking about because I have Via on my team right now and then I, I transferred out Keen because he was on the buy, you know, and I'm trying to figure out how to get him back. And uh, the easiest way is to sell via, you know. But, ooh, that's so difficult, see, because the thing with via is he is playing against uh, New England. New England. And, and their defense has, has been real bad. So how is he not going to score, right? That's just what you've got to think there. So I'm trying to find a way to have Kamara, via and Keen. That's super greedy. But, yeah. Um, if you have to choose between one because you're not made of money, uh, I think like in a vacuum for this week, I would choose Via just because I think their matchup is incredible, like absolutely incredible. But if you're choosing one in general for the future, I'd go with Keen. I don't know. It's so tough. This week, just in a vacuum, Via. Yeah, and for me, 
I am going to be greedy because I have Kamara and Via, and I'm getting keen this week, so I'm going to have all three, which pretty stoked about, but if I had to choose one, in my opinion, I would go with Via um, for the next three games because you have New England away, Orlando City at home, and Montreal at home, whereas LA has San Jose at home, then away at Houston, away at Colorado. Um, for the next three games, I think that New York City's schedule is more favorable, plus, key, or I'm sorry, plus Via is in arguably the best form of the league besides Geo. And I'm gonna ride. I'm gonna ride that as far as I can. But like I said, I'm gonna have all three, so I'm I'm all smiles and thumbs up over here. So yeah, we have to remember yeah, no, LA's Via, away form is awful. It can be. Yeah, Via has like 51 points in the last five games, and he that was with having a one point game in the middle of that. Um, but at the bookends of that are are wonderful. Um, Keen for this week. He just played the International Champions Cup by Guinness by whatever. What a goal, too. Yeah, it was a great goal. Um, it's got, like, ten names for that tournament. Um, <laughs> but then he's, gonna, he's playing tomorrow at RSL for the uh, Open US Cup Open. and then coming back to L.A. to play San Jose. So he's going to have a congested schedule. Um, yeah, if you if you have to choose one or the other for this week only, yeah, you got to go via against New England. Yeah, definitely. Like I was saying, L.A. has an awful record on the road so far. San Jose's is not much better, but it is better. That is for sure. So I I have to agree that it might be a little bit time to wait, maybe for the next couple, two or three weeks before grabbing grabbing a, a keen. Unless you're just greedy like, uh, like Jason is and want to load up. I got to do the, what's best for me and my team, you know? I got I to try to catch a guy over here, number 13. <laughs> I'm gonna fall so hard. <laughs> it's 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 in the cards. I can tell. So I mentioned Woodbury a little earlier, and Mr. Frumble PDX has, has a question relating to him, and says, "Who is basically?" I summarize it. Who is the best replacement for Woodbury in the 5.5 range? And I know we talked about it last week, and I mentioned it with you guy on Twitter. For me, Woodbury has been this this eternal hashtag. I still believe player. Like every week, I'm like, okay, he can't do as bad as he did last week. New England's going to turn it around. I'll at least get a few points out of him. And it's just been this like half of a million point loss being nicked away from me every round. And so I, I think I'm there with, with Mr. Frumble that it's just time to replace him. Yeah, it's because even if he's on your bench, he's hurting your team. Like he's losing value. So he's got to go. Um, I think the best thing to do right now would be free up some funds for yourself and get uh, Toya for Montreal. He's a he's a nailed on starter for 4.9. Um, he does tend to get a lot of twos, but he gets to 12 or a nine occasionally too. So better than zero. Yeah, I mean he's he's gonna play. He's gonna stay competitive. Um, Montreal's gonna have some okay fixtures coming up. So save yourself some money and, and give yourself a two point bench player to to help you out in a pinch. Yeah, I mean. I don't really have that much to add to this, only because I haven't touched my defense in weeks. And so I think that just anyone who's going to play is fine. I'm sorry, it's not very helpful. But when you're dealing with like low-priced defenders, the options, like the difference between them is just not that big. Yeah, I think obviously um, Gehrig, 5.1, Ramos, 5.2. Uh, Toya 4.9, uh, 
Holberry 4.8, Pulsar 4.6, and Marquez at 4.6 are really the only options you could go with. I personally have Polster and Toya in my lineup right now, um, just for the double game weeks. But you know, any of those I think could be good, good picks if you're really looking. And they're still sub five, so get your money to uh, boost your team elsewhere. I should add though that Hoberry is still listed as having a knee injury, so not sure about his starting status. Didn't he Who play would last be? Week? I don't think he played last oh, week. Oh, he didn't. I'm sorry, he didn't. I just looked. I'll say otherwise, that would be my immediate go-to, would be Hoberry. Garrett kind of creeps up there just because of the double game week. But uh, in general, that would be something to bring in for one week and drop him. But I don't know. Yeah, those are those are some great options you nailed right there, Antioch. Thank you. You're welcome. So moving on, we have Boyan Boyan, who says, and I think this is going to hurt you, Jason, I have to drop Javier Morales or Castillo in order to get Finlay. Uh, they're both in form, so who do I drop? And I actually talked to him earlier today on the chat about this, and I'm pretty sure I convinced him to drop Castillo. Um, but, <laughs> no bias. No bias whatsoever. <laughs> you, know, you know, I feel like I do a pretty good job of not being biased towards RSL, um, but I, I personally think that RSL, I think you need to keep Javier Morales because he is on all free kicks, direct kicks, set pieces, corner kicks... PKs, and I mean you're playing, you know, at home against Houston, at home against Kansas City. Um, I think Houston. I think that's a fantastic game. Um, the, but then you also got to look at um, Dallas has a bye in what three weeks? A game week 23, and you're playing at home against DC, at home against Portland, against uh, and away against Chicago. Um, I think that the emergence of Diaz doing so well. Um, is going to hurt Castillo. Castillo does have a high ceiling, but Javier Morales is consistently at seven plus points every single game. So, in my opinion, you got to keep Javier, get rid of Castillo to bring in Finlay. Whew. Yeah, I would. In that case, just based on Mauro Diaz's recent performances, I would say drop Castillo because, <clears throat> for whatever reason, Diaz has decided it's time to play ball. Morales, um, so it's. It's tough because RSL just struggles. So if he doesn't get a game where he gets bonus points right now, they're just not finding the back of the net very often. So you really need him to be kind of a, a fail hobber esque player for you if you're going to get some, some value out of him. Yeah, I mean, I'd side with uh, both of these guys and say you drop Castillo. Part of that for me is just I feel like Castillo is less consistent and I am much more partial towards consistent players. Um, on the other on the other side of the coin, though, just so you guys know, um, Jaime did get suspended for a game, so that leaves Sandoval or Jordan Allen or somebody to coming in a striker since you know Sabo is in the Gold Cup, so that may potentially also hurt. Um, Javier Morales, so that's the other side of the coin, just so you know. Yeah, little heads up, getting getting every angle right there. Yeah, it's good. I, I can't disagree with anything you guys have said, so tough choice, but Finlay is definitely worth it to bring in. So our next question comes from Revenant221, and he says, is Failhaber worth dropping for a seemingly unstoppable Keen who now has Gerard feeding him passes? So what I'm thinking he's looking at here is dropping Benny in order to free up some funds to bring in someone like Keen. 
And let's expand that to any of the, the power forwards that we're looking at this, this season or this round. Um, no, you should not drop Benny for anyone under any circumstances. I think you should find a better way to get Keen than dropping Benny. There's got to be a different player. Um, to me, Failhaber, Sporting Kansas City is quite clearly to me right now the best team in the league, at least on um, at least on form right now. Maybe at full strength, there's better teams that will be better than Kansas City. But Failhaber is is the creator on. Kansas City, and I don't know why you wouldn't want the best player on the best team. Seems like somebody you should have. Um, he's not even that much money for what he is. I would find a, a totally different way to get Keen. Failhaber is the guy you got to have on your team. And I'll disagree with you on that. Um, you know, Benny was great. He was doing fantastic, but um, you know, he... He had two points last week, and granted, he was playing more of a defensive role. But if if Kansas City is going to continue lining up like that, I don't I don't foresee Benny getting up and attacking like he was. I mean, I think they were playing a, a four two three two or four two three one or something like that, and Benny was playing in more of a center defensive mid role. So if they line up like that again, I'm sorry, but I don't want any part of Fell Hopper until he moves to more of an attacking role. Um, but you know. I do agree with the fact that if you already have him in your team, I think that you look for another option um, to get Keenan. Yeah, uh, so <clears throat> I was looking back, and people jumped off the Juvinko train last week because he got a two-point game. This was actually Failhaber's first game all year of two points or less. So even if he's not getting attacking bonuses, he can still get defending bonuses. He's worth whatever price he's he's at right now. Um, <clears throat> I would try to get him a uh, try to get Keenan a different way, um, but Failhaber is still. I mean, he's second place right now in, in scoring for everybody. So you, you got to have a guy like that on your team. Next, so our next question comes from Midnight Sun Elder, and he says, "Will Legit?" play this week, or will Gerard's arrival cause lineup changes? I think that um, he will play this week. Um, he, that guy's been in form. I, think, I personally think that um, Arena will you know, bench like Villarreal or somebody else like that. I mean, since Zardes is out as well at Gold Cup, um, he can play. Uh, is it, you say what, Legit? Le, yeah, Legit, right? I think that's how you say it, but yeah, I, I think he'll we be playing. so many names that I think that's close <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, why, do have, why do people have to have such weird last names? Jeez. Um, but yeah, they're. I think that he'll play, and I think for his price it's fantastic, especially with Stevie G um, feeding him. But you got to remember, too, Gerard only played 45 minutes. He'll probably play 45 minutes on Wednesday here at RSL for the U.S. Open Cup, maybe another 45 next weekend. Arena said in a press uh, release that he thinks that Gerard won't be match fit for at least another month. So, I mean, remember, Gerard hasn't played a competitive match in, I believe, six or eight weeks. So, you know, take it for as it is. Yeah, I think he'll be playing full matches ahead of that. I think that's just Bruce Arena being Bruce Arena. Um, but Real pulled himself out of the ICC game with a knee injury, so he's already going to be be sidelined himself, so Legette's going to have his, his chance. 
and I can't the, the form that guy's been in. There's no way they're going to just drop him outright. Um, he'll he'll be playing. He's a good pickup for his price. He's an excellent pickup. Yep, got nothing more to add to that. Guy said the thing I was going to say about Villarreal injury. So, and all three of them lined up at the start though, at, at for, before that game. Had Villarreal up top there paired with Keane. You had Lejet off there on the left wing, and then you had Gerard there in the back paired, paired with Juninho. I think the the biggest boost to the Gerard stock was Ishizaki closing his contract out and leaving because that would have been the competition right there. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. Yeah, Ishizaki not being there. Well, that came out of nowhere though. That's it did. That's surprising. Mm-hmm. He he did that. So, but yeah, so I I definitely think. Legette is looking at his his goals per price that he's got, his points and points per price, whatever you want to call that. But he's he's been tearing it up with form. He's got a, a fantastic price. Definitely somebody I'm keeping my eye on this week. Gerard is one that I also really want to have because I think of the three big guys that have come over here from Europe that he's going to be the one that's really going to make the connections. So we have one more question that I added right here at the end that I, I just received from at uh, FPL underscore Deadeye on Twitter, nice nice supporter who, who helps us out and retweets a lot of things that we do here at the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast. And uh, he has another defensive question, a bit more in the higher range. Uh, he does talk about Viafania. He's got, and he's also got Simon. So we got a, a 6.3 player and a 7.0 player. He wants to know who he should drop and, and then who he should replace him with for the next three rounds. Oof. <laughs> Uh, that's a tough one so, because I'm keeping both of those guys for the next three rounds. I'm not dropping either one of them. Uh, you know, that's um, a fair answer. That's a very fair answer. Yeah, but gun to head, you got I, I would drop. I would always drop Montreal's defender ahead of a team like Portland. Um, Biased much? Well, no. It's, <laughs> I mean, this is like it's like only two clean sheets for Montreal all year. Um, yeah, Portland struggled this week, but they still got seven or seven or eight on the year. So, if you're just playing a numbers game, Portland is going to get you more points over the course of the year, anyway. So, and we're looking at next either way. I'm keeping too. them both. So, I mean, if we're looking yeah, at I'm, 2021 and 22, Montreal's got an away to Sporting Kansas City, a home to Seattle, and a away to New York City. Montreal's been dreadful on the road. They pick it up yeah. at home. Seattle's been struggling a little bit with the loss of their stars, so that's a winnable game. But in round 23, so we got four weeks out, they have a double home game against New York and D.C. So it's it's a mixed bag as far as difficulty with a lineup in, in my mind. So they're right there in the middle. But the home games really don't hit until that 23. So I think you're right. You could drop Simon, opens up more funds for you, and he can maybe get back into your lineup around round 23. This week with a double game week, you could obviously go with a Columbus player to help you with that Chicago. They also are playing Toronto at home next week, followed by Orlando and then Colorado before they're by a little bit better of a lineup. So a Columbus player is definitely an option. I think to replace one of those guys, maybe uh, a pog. I, I personally dropped Simon for Ellis this week, this past week and it paid off beautifully. Like I said, it was a, it was a recommendation from somebody on the chat room, but I think that you, you can even go with the sporting Kansas city player um, I mean, Ellis at 6.5, so you're saving, I think, a million dollars or 1.2 if you drop Simon. And Sporting Kansas City also have a pretty 
pretty favorable schedule with, you know, home against Montreal, away at RSL, home against Houston, away at Toronto, home against Vancouver, and then a double game week in game week 25, home against San Jose, away at Columbus. But, I mean, like uh, Simon said, Sporting Kansas City's arguably the best in the league right now, and their defense is lights out. How many how many clean sheets do they have this year? I think one of the most in the league. Melia, or, yeah, Melia and... Uh, Ellis are two guys that are, I'm bringing Malia in probably here in the next week or so. So, I got him last week. So yeah, a great question. I like that. And you can always go with with guys. Original thought of why drop either one of them. That's also a very valid answer. Yep. So that's all the questions that I have. Do you guys have anything else that was sent to you before we move on to our discussion topic? I actually had a question. Um, someone asked on Twitter. I completely forget who it was, but they they wanted to know who your captaincy picks were this week. We will get to that in a few minutes. Just kidding. Is that fair? Okay. That's fair. That's fair. We will get to that. So last week we brought you guys a little focused discussion topic where we had a little bit longer of a discussion about a couple of questions. We brought it back this week. Uh, it seemed like a lot of people like uh, – DSB Coco and some others were really talking a, a lot about formations. I thought that was a good one to, to maybe dissect a little bit. So guys, for you to think about, over the past few rounds, even since the beginning of the season, we've seen the shift from defensive players to offensive players as they've really started to become into form. Uh, and so this brings up the, the question of which of the offensive, heavy, focused formations do we think is the way to go? Uh, so we're looking at the 3-4-3 versus the 3-5-2 in this situation. Okay. You want to kick it off, Simon? Yeah, I mean, I've sort of been thinking about this since I saw the question. And the problem is that I'm not going to present a very nuanced argument because I don't think it really matters that much. I think what matters more is the player's... And, you know, shifting between the 3-4-3 and the 3-5-2 to get the players that, you know, have the best matchups and what have you. Um, I have tended to be in more of the 3-4-3 the entire season. And that's mostly because uh, that gives you an extra 0.5 million because the low-end forwards are 4.5 and the low-end mids are 4.0. So by having one more low-end mid instead of a low-end forward, you save half a million. Um, but, you know, I don't think it really matters all that much. Um, I feel like the bigger choice is really to go four in the back and that the two offensive formations just are player-based more than anything and that there's not actually that big of a difference between them. I've personally gone. I'm going with the three-four-three this week just because of form, and I think having Kamara, Keenan, V up top is essential to having a good game week at least next week and maybe the next couple game weeks. But when you look at the Dream Team since you know round 15, from I think it's like three out of those five games, the top formation is a three-five-two, one of them is a four-four-two, and the other one is a three-four-three. So. Dictating that a three-five-two is a better formation, but you know it's changed throughout the year, um, and you can go back and count every single one to see what the dream team is to see what the best formations have been, which I think is a three-five-two. But 
I personally am going to a 3-4-3, and I think that having those three heavy-hitting forwards up top is, like I said, going to be crucial to having uh, success in the next upcoming game weeks. Yeah, so <clears throat> I've recently switched to a 3-4-3 as a plan. I was a 3-5-2 um, basically all year as much as I could. Um, this week, because I look at the top 10 teams every week, um, only one team in the top 10 ran a 3-5-2. The most people ran a 3-4-3, which was five five teams in the top 10. Um, and kind of <clears throat> against what Simon was saying, the importance of having a formation is, as opposed to just getting the best player available, is if you have a set formation, you are more likely to be able to do a one-for-one -one trade. So like this week, I was able to just trade out Keen and make a one-for-one -one trade and save a transfer. If you're constantly switching back and forth, then you have to kind of make that double move to switch in and out. Um, that's why, I mean, if, for nothing else, if you just have a plan of a formation, week to week you can you can make a one-for-one -one trade and save a transfer much easier than if you're bouncing around. So do you all feel that there is a sacrifice of big hitters for the midfield in order to give you that flexibility to maintain three big guys up front? Because if you're looking at, I guess, the three big guys that we're looking at for this next couple of rounds, Kamara, Keane, and Villa, that's a lot of dough invested there. Are you having luck finding those value midfielders to play off, or, or how are you making that be flexible? I mean, so the good thing about midfield, I think, is when you have the three forwards, the big ones like you were talking about, uh, we've been talking about guys like Leggett, um in the midfield who are a little bit lower priced and and still offer a pretty decent amount of production. I've had Tommy McNamara the last few weeks. I'm not sure if that's a great, great pickup, but his production has been pretty decent. Um, it's a little bit erratic, but, you know, it's been pretty good. And I feel like, unlike with forward where the lower-priced guys are rarely going to give you that production, you can kind of manage some budget players in the midfield that will at, at least have the chance of kind of going off every once in a while and providing, you know, a decent floor in terms of production. Um, so if you want to manage the big guys, I, I think it's a little bit more possible to do that than to rely on budget forwards to balance a bunch of high-priced midfielders. Yeah, I, get, I mean, I have, obviously, Via Kamara. I'm getting rid of Valeri and Maganto for Keane. But then I also have Finlay, Giovinco, Morales, and Piatti. Um, my defense has more budget than anything with Polster, Toya, Woodbury, and Ellis. But, I mean, I think that I mean, obviously you can't predict what's who's going to be good, you know, on game week 20, on game week 1, but you obviously have an idea that Keane's a very consistent player uh, via coming in. What You know that he was going to catch fire and do good. Same with Giovinco. Your Javier Moraleses and your Valerias are usually typically pretty good, so you can kind of gauge of who's going to be good, and you kind of just got to roll the dice and figure out, hey, I'm going to keep them in my lineup, and hopefully they'll do good and get a price increase because... If your tra if your team total team value is high enough to dictate that you can get a Keen and a you know Via and a Kamara and also have Giovinco and Morales and you know a couple other great players then fantastic then obviously your you know your gambles have paid off and your team value has increased but 
Um, I think it just really comes down to picking the right players and getting the, that money, selling them at the right time, buying them back when you think they're going to get hot. So, yeah, I can agree with that. that that's reasonable. I mean, my, my bank is, has risen with the form, so I, it's not as much of an imposition for me to get three big forwards, but I've been budgeting the back as, as a rule. So, I mean, I had Silvestri this week. Was he like 4.4 in goal? Yep. Yeah, so... it. You, you can make sacrifices elsewhere if that's what you need to do, but personally, I think I'm going to go with the, the herd at the top and, and go to a 3-4-3 if at all possible. Excellent. I'll have fun with Gio this week, man. Oh, yeah, he's still on my team. <laughs> he ain't going nowhere. So I only have two one more follow-up question to this, and that is there's two other elements taking place right now in this middle of the season where we've seen a lot of big-name forwards coming to just – Point City, and that is we have the Gold Cup going on, so we're missing players, and then we're also still in the middle of the U.S. Open Cup, so some teams are still playing some mid-game weeks during these buys. How much is that playing into just tiredness of players and missing key components that's letting forwards take advantage of this? Is it someplace we're going to see a shift back to maybe our 4-4-2 after maybe round 23? Oh god, I don't think so. I think... It's it's a trend you can track through most leagues. At, at a certain point in the year, the offenses pick up and the defenses kind of go back to normal. Um, I I just think that the forwards have just kind of figured it out. They're they're comfortable with their midfields now. They're comfortable with their attack. Um, yeah, the defenses suffer a little bit, but I think there's going to be some more. I think more offense than defense going forward. I agree, I, I, and I also think though that. With the influx of better players from Europe, I mean, David Villa is a world-class player. Giovinco, he's in his prime and is now, I, I think he's doing a lot better in MLS because of the level of play. I mean, Giovinco and Villa are absolutely destroying the def the defenders here in, in MLS, and, and I personally think it's just the level of play, too. I mean... When Keen, when Keen came in, he killed it. When Thierry Henry came in, he killed it. When um, when uh, David Beckham came in, he killed it. I mean, you look at all... I mean, even when Jermaine Defoe came in, he killed it when he was healthy. It's just the level of play, in my opinion, and the more talented European players that come in, I think you're going to be seeing a lot more offensive games than defensive shutouts. So that, that leads me to one more question that's just for Guy. Would you support additional designated player spots to bring over our first Leighton Baines defensive designated player. You better say yes. You oh, better yeah. say yes. No, absolutely. <laughs> Stop it, letting these forwards fact, have all the fun. Buff up the defenses. <laughs> yeah, Leighton Baines? Come on. That dude's like 30. <sighs> Come on. No, but th there should be some kind of a rule, though, that, you know, I, I know the core player, what that was supposed to do, but there should be something saying, hey, if you already have, you know, three DP forwards... Maybe you should be forced to like make your defense better. Toronto is, is horrible. Like I mean, they may not make the playoffs again just based on how crappy their defense is. I, that's if Juvenko has the year that he's having, and they brought in that donkey Altador, and they put Michael Bradley in the midfield, and they don't make the playoffs because they spent like twenty bucks on their defense. That should be illegal. Okay, we gotta stop this. They're gonna make the playoffs, man. They're one of the best teams. Altidore is good. I know we don't. I know we don't like his first touch, but man, 
If I could have Altidore, they, they even expanded the number of positions in the playoffs. It's it's like a Toronto give me this year. It what, is. What are they at right now? What are they at right now? They're not. They're not in there right now. I don't believe. It's midseason. Come on, guy. If Giofinco goes down, because he's only like four foot five or something, <laughs> if he goes down, that what are they going to do? What are they going to do without Giovinco? That's true. That's true. I mean, oh, we're still getting banned from iTunes. Ah. Look, man. So thanks for tuning in for the last episode. Toronto. Good thing we got Toronto. Toronto is tied for third in the East with four teams. They have played 17 games, which is two less. Oh, no, no, no. It's one less than the Red Bulls, who they're behind. Four less than DC, who they're behind. And two to four behind two to four more than the the three teams that are or sorry two to four less than the three teams that are tied with them they're gonna make the playoffs yeah, i'm rooting for them to make the playoffs i want to see Javinko in the playoffs oh me I'm just too. saying it's not it's not a guarantee yet i mean that things happen it, it is toronto and they cannot defend that's true if he doesn't get four goals a game they may not win a game he he had a hat trick and they still didn't win the game and Mr. PK. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they didn't win that game. That's that's how absurd Toronto's defense is. That's and fair, New York fair. FC. But New York is at least buffering their, their defense with signings. Toronto's, you don't hear anything about their defense coming coming better. So Ariola did not do that good. I thought he would be doing a lot better. But, I mean, that's Kwame. Kwame watson Sirbo had arguably I've, – I've watched him play the past four years at RSL, and he by far had the worst game I've ever seen him play. He just looked – Horrible. Well, I'm sure we could go on and on about defenses, and maybe that's for a follow-up episode or a discussion for next week. But we're going to have to stop it there. Let's get on to our player picks so we can make sure we make this national team game, guys. So before we get into the player picks, uh, there was one more question that we had on the Reddit forum that I wanted to touch on first. We had a, an interest in knowing which Gold Cup players were on their way back. At this time, we can't really comment about that. Not enough of the teams have finished their brackets to see. But even as it looks right now, not many big-name MLS players that are worth even considering are going to be coming back. Of course, we've got a lot of Canadian guys that appear to be coming back into the league. Ashton Morgan, a pretty good budget defender at 5.3, might be one to consider. Other ones, not so sure, especially since it, I mean, Geo is the way to go. With, with Toronto right now. But you're also looking at Tybert coming back in and Laren coming back in for Orlando, which could be a nice little pickup. He's a very budget player that, that's been doing well as well. And potentially Marco Papa could be coming back in as well, but we just need to keep an eye a little bit more on these results that are coming up over the next few days. So that little caveat aside, guys, the double game week teams, Columbus and Chicago, who do you like in, in these games if if anyone from both teams actually at all. And just so everyone knows, they're playing the first game, the last game. So a lot of rest in between. Yeah, my my only must-have for the weekend it would be <clears throat> Finley. Uh, he's he's consistent. Yeah, they all kind of had a, a, a bad game this last week in Montreal. But his scores before that were at least consistent. They weren't great big spikes, but they were doable. Um, if you had to go somewhere to Chicago, uh, ship. You know, he's he's okay. His T-Rex arms still bother me. Like, it's hard to watch him run, but it, you you could do it. Like, But Finley, and that's about it. Um, yeah, I'm going to have Clark, Kamara, and Finlay, and no one from Chicago because that team is that team is really bad, man. I'm forced, being forced to watch them this weekend because of the Sounders. 
That, that was real ugly on both ends. Who won that game? Exactly. <laughs> okay. And just say, my, it doesn't speak well Quincy for the Ameriqua. sound in its current state. Quincy Ameriqua is a friend of the show. He was on at one of, one of our early episodes. He's now left Chicago, so I, I guess it's okay for, to say things like that. But Man, okay. we love Quincy, but they could use him back. <laughs> yeah, I think that... Um... From Columbus, I, I think that um, Finley and Kamara are the two to have. And then for Chicago, um, I have Polster just because he's a cheap defender to place in a defensive mid. But I think that Polster, I think Gehrig is a great shout. And then Ship is also another one. If you want to get sneaky, um, Iguain for Columbus. And I think Mike McGee from Chicago. Watch out. Don't call it a comeback. Oh, that's a super punt right there. It's a super punt. Yeah, we haven't heard a lot about Higuain this year, but it's definitely been the, the Finlay Kamara show in Columbus for sure. Uh, so yeah, great, great names for the single for the double game week players. But what about the single game week players? We even had some questions. Would you uh, a little bit ahead of the game, we'll get to that second. Single game week players, keepers and defenders, who do you like, Simon? Well, I already said that oh wait, single week players. Duh, I was like single. Clark. I have Clark. I already said that I have Clark. What? I don't know why I'm thinking like this. Um, single week picks. I don't know. Don't play single week players if you can. That scares me. I didn't even think about this. I gotta be honest. Um, maybe you should skip me on this one. I was like, I'm gonna take Clark and screw the single week players. <laughs> I uh, my my single week players. I think that uh, Melia or Malia at goalkeeper. For Kansas City, I think that he is a fantastic option. Um, due, like I said earlier in the show, due to during, uh, current form and schedule. And same with any of the defenders from Sporting Kansas City. I think that, that you know you can't go wrong with either one of those two. Yeah, Malia's good. Um, I may have to, if Fry is not back this week, I will have to bring in somebody like Malia. Uh, as far as defenders, I'm sticking with my... You know, my standbys, I got Simon and Biafania, and I rotate in there, Toy if I have to. All right, so move on to midfielders. That's We already touched a lot of that on earlier in the show. Yeah. Yeah, midfielders, um, you know, Javinko, and then anybody else you can afford. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with that. I think Javinko is, is the only must, must have. Midfielder right now. It's all about Gio and Benny. Anyway, we don't have to do just must-haves, but are there any just midfielders that you think are, are going to be standouts in this round? Giovinco Morales. Joralis, I should say. You know, Kaká had a bye week just because he uh, <laughs> Dude, stomped, his card. stomped on Joralis. <laughs> yeah, he did. A timeout week, be, I think, is what that was. Yeah, he'll be fresh. You know, I think it's, it's funny because what was it, you know, just three, four months ago, we were all like, oh my god, Kaká's in the league. And then Gerard and Lampard haven't even played an MLS game yet, and it's like, oh, Kaká's garbage. You know, That's like, true. he's true. still... To be fair, to be fair I was a very early adopter. You, you still hate him. You know you do. I, I mean, yeah, Kaká's great. I mean, I, I would probably get Kaká again over Lampard or Pirlo. Just because I know that he can score, I know that he gets himself in position. He knows it's it's his team. He owns that team. So, uh, Kakov might he might have a sneaky good game this week. 
that shouldn't have been a red card either. He's only had one red card in his entire career besides that. And I personally think that he was trying to regain his balance, but that's my opinion. And that was even against my own team. Man, welcome to MLS refs, bro. True that. So we'll wrap it up with, with our forward picks. So I, is, is there anyone beyond the three that we've already mentioned that you want to add for potential forward options this week? Mm. No. <laughs> Simon mm. resounding. Kamara via Keen. Period. Uh, I think, I mean, if you want to go with the one-week punt, I think Bradley Wright Phillips against Orlando City at Orlando City, I think that could be a good punt, um, or at least a one-week play. I mean, I would recommend it because there's other options that don't have a bye game week 21, but Bradley Wright, punt. I know, but, I mean, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips, if you already have him in your lineup, I don't see the point in taking him out unless you're going to get a keen or via, so. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, so here we go. Must-have players. We already got Finlay, I think we can all agree on. And we're going to agree on Geo. Are those two must-have players definitely for this round? Yeah. I think Ian Keen, personally. Jason Keen. says plus Keen. Anybody else? I mean, I'll... No, I believe... Go ahead, Simon. Oh, I was going to say Via. I think Via is more of a must-have than Keen. We already talked about that earlier, but New England defense, so bad. Sorry, I thought someone said Via earlier. That's oh, why did I didn't we? Yeah, and the thing with the thing with uh, Giovinco though, and I touched on this um, on an article. Is the guy costs twelve point five now? He started out at eleven. If you don't get Giovinco now and get his price rises, you may not be able to afford him again in the future. Like that's the, that's the secret to the game. Like if you get to week thirty, week thirty two, and you didn't get Giovinco. He make I mean he may end up the year costing fourteen million. So he's he's a must have on a meta scale. Like he needs to be yeah. had on all teams. There we go. And our final question, which you mentioned a little bit earlier, Antioch, who are the leading captain options that you guys have? As long as I would for say me, I go for it. For me it's Finlay. For me it's Finlay. I think I have a better justification for it this week with the double game week against <laughs> Chicago, including a home game. So Finlay is, as I think, a very viable option this week, more so than last week. Yeah, Finlay's. I, I prefer Finlay over Kamara. I think everybody's going to go Kamara just because it's almost like that that Pedro Morales uh, Rivero syndrome people suffered from for the last few weeks, where they remembered how good they were back in like week five. Mm-hmm. And Kamara's been producing at an, an okay rate as far as a Cisco, but he's not been an elite striker by any means. So I, I would go the steady steady Finlay over the inconsistent Kamara. That would be my, my bet. Yeah, I agree. I think for double game week, either you go Finlay or Kamara if you have either one of those. Um, but if you are going with a single game week player, I really think you, you almost have to go with either via Giovinco or Keen, I think via really over any of those two just because of New England's atrocious defense. Yeah, I could definitely yeah, they... be convinced to captain via depending on what Columbus's starting lineup is. No, and then um, Giovinco, they got Philly at home this week, right? Yep. So Philly, the last five, five away games for Philly, 
uh, one clean sheet and 14 goals allowed. So Oof. Philly's really, yeah, they're garbage on the road. As good as they are at home, uh, they are a whole other mess when they get on the road. So I won't be playing Sylvester this week. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> True that. Some great options right there. Uh, be sure to check back to r slash fantasy MLS. The captain's poll is up right now. So vote in that. Share your thoughts with other members of the community, especially since the game is on Wednesday again this week. So that will be very important to make sure you have a good hold on all of that. So that wraps up for our players. I hope you guys found some options in there. Some of them are are the basic options that everyone already knows about, but it's good to have some uh, confirmation when you're thinking about going with the pack. Uh, now for the fun stuff, a really quick one this time. The r slash fantasy MLS league top scorer of this round was Eric Nelson, a manager of Portland FC, uh, one you can go for guy. Uh, and he had the highest score in the entire game. This round, not just our league, get 113 points. Oh, yeah. Well Congrats, done. Congrats, man. Well Congrats. done. Excellent, dude. So that's all that we have for the show this week. Guys, you have anything you want to plug coming up? Just, uh, no, I think I'm just trying to keep my sanity as we watch these games. That's, you, that's guys are, you guys are awful at this. I'll do it for you. Go to check out Guy's blog. Go to check out Antioch's punts on MLS Fantasy Boss and at r slash Reddit. If you're in Seattle, listen to the stuff that Simon does. Oh. He's good. No, I do have one. Hey, if you like <laughs> dance music and you like boats, we're having like a C89.5 boat party thing on Thursday. Uh, it's on one of the Argosy boats. It's like 400 people. We got some sick lights and sounds. Um... I don't know what else you want from me. That's that's like pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, C895.org slash cruise. You can buy tickets. We still have a few left. I don't know if you're into that sort of thing. It's going to sell out. It's going to be a good time. I will be DJing a back-to-back -back set with my buddy Crispin. So it's going to be sick. You should go. I'd like to meet people in person. Well, it would be pretty weird to meet like fantasy MLS people at a dance music thing. But it sounds cool. Yeah, go for it, dude. Yeah, do it. Uh, for the other guys who can't make it tonight, of course, Travis and I both have articles that are coming out on MLS Fantasy in the advice section. So check those out. Uh, I may have something else coming up at Fantasy Football First this round. Since we're into the FPL season, be sure to check out Fantasy Football First. Uh, it's a great blog that's been a friend of the show for a while. Also, Fantasy Football 24-7. There's some guys who have supported the show and some of the other products that we products other other projects that we have done here so great stuff you can always check out scout i guess that one's good as well and uh total fpl maybe in the future we'll consider doing a show more premier league focused i don't know let us know your thoughts about that maybe we'll grab some guys and do some stuff together i don't know uh if there's nothing else though thanks everyone for listening and good luck see ya <laughs> <laughs>